shit that scares us. A podcast about scary stuff. Ah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. How you doing, everybody? <laughs> I feel like now it's become like this weird niche thing that I've dropped into where I have to do like a wacky radio host impersonation every time we start this. And um, I'm not loving that for me. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, we need to keep up with everyone else. we got to keep giving that fire. <laughs> Yeah, while we're dying inside, we need to present energy, right? (laughs) Uh, Mood. (laughs) How is everyone going? I hope you're all doing well. It's what day is it today? It's a Monday today. That's why. That's why the vibe. It's Monday for you. It's Tuesday for me. And I thought it was a Wednesday. So I was like... You got no excuse. Yeah. I have been online so much on the TikTok in the TikTok. You know, you're 400 years old when you say that. Um, the TikTok. <laughs> I only did that to be ironic, but then I was like, it kind of just rolled off the tongue in a way that was way too convincing then. Um, I've been on TikTok so much and I feel like we always send each other really quality videos. Oh my God. All the time. <laughs> all the shadow and bone bits. Ah, love it. Oh God. I love a fan in it. It's so good. <laughs> I literally, oh my God, uh, they have me dying. <laughs> as an actor i you know what i just i think fans are the best and seeing how much work people put into fan edits it's insane it's almost more work than the production company puts into making a show so (laughs) so good um what have you been doing this week fill us in any interesting things Uh, happening in your world i mean that sound kind of says it all um it's uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's been a busy week, eh? Like, oh, just work has been crazy. Um, just so much on the go. And then, yeah, I've just, like, I don't know. I feel like this week has kind of been a Monday, even though we've only technically passed another day past my... Uh, it's just, yeah, it says it. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, there is sometimes just weeks like that, right? Uh, I feel yeah. like it's, it's Mercury. Yeah, keep this, you Retro know, star signs. some crazy crap. Ugh. Something happening in space that we need I to know about. I think it's like the fact that we've had, well, especially here, we've had um so many, I guess, long weekends, hence right. shorter weeks. So I think I'm kind of yeah. getting used to the idea of there's going to be no more holidays soon. Yeah, you've got nothing to look forward to, essentially. I literally have like <laughs> Queen's birthday in June and that's about it until October. Oh, June's good. Your birthday. Um, yeah. I'm excited. Oh my God. He going to have so much fun. <laughs> I, I know like I'm not really doing anything big this year for my birthday, but like big enough for me and like family. Uh, happy birthday to you preemptively. <laughs> what star sign is June? I think it depends. So like uh, my end of it, um, which is end of May, start of June is Gemini. And then mm-hmm. end of June, start of July, I believe is Cancer. And then after that's Leo. Uh, so yeah, you're. I didn't know you were a Gemini. I'm a Gemini. I'm a. I'm a twin. People love or hate Gemini's, eh? Just kind of we're like just, they love or hate Leos. To be honest, we're just a bunch of fun. Like, um, I think Gemini's definitely uh, a bit more out there in terms of craziness, which I definitely feel like mm. I can be. Leos, you're just like yeah. balls to the wall, intense. <laughs> Yeah, or the absolute opposite. Exactly. I feel like Leo's kind of misunderstood in the fact that everybody thinks they want to be the center of of attention. And like, to some extent, yes, but definitely not all the time. I just feel like the Zodiac, (laughs) like, like, I mean, just Zodiac in general, um, it's conflicting depending what you read. Oh, funny mm -hmm. though, 
good old going back to TikTok. Um, I saw mm. someone basically post saying that um someone decided to revise the star signs and update them or something. Yeah. <laughs> and um oh god, it would turn me into a tourist like. Um, the bull or oh, whatever. No, and so many people I'm that, were switching. That's my it. freaking moon sign. And it, so we're like, I, it's like fuck this. Yeah. It's not happening. I'm I'm what I am. We're not changing them. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just the intensity I, um, behind it. Oh my god. <laughs> do you know what your moon sign and your rising signs are? No, no idea. Okay, I'm a I'm a Leo Sun, Taurus Moon, and Capricorn Rising, which I feel like some people really don't like Capricorns. <laughs> Oh, if you want something really fun and kind of spiritual, there is this um, tarot card uh, birthday calculator or something. And um, basically, you put in your birthday um, and your star sign, Mm. and it pulls out, I think, three tarot cards that kind of predict the type of person you are and your life journey and all that. Um, Mm. Mine was, like, really ultimatum shit. Like, I think I had the tower... um, and then, uh, oh crap, I, I have to go back. But it literally, it was like real ominous. It was like, either shit's going to go really bad or shit's going to go really good. There's no in between. And I feel like that's kind of like just me in general. I love that. There's actually, what I like to do is you should do this as well. Is Have you done your entire birth chart online? Like you can do it pretty easily. No, no. Um, if, you've, if you've got your time of day um, that you were born or night. Uh, you basically just put it into the website that I use was like a birth chart calculator or something and it's free um, and you just put your like your your time of birth and obviously your day of birth and then your place um, so obviously like New Zealand Auckland assuming you were born in Auckland I can't remember I think I was born was on the shore yeah yeah um so half of like the north island was born on the shore because there's like literally two big well there's like three big hospitals on the north island i think <laughs> yeah i uh, you do that like you put all your stuff in and then basically it tells you everything you've ever needed to know about yourself and that's how you get your rising signs and stuff just like, like how, how do you get your about. how do you get the time of birth because i like, was that on your birth certificate or something uh does your mom know Shit, I don't even know. I, I should probably ask. You should just... I, I'm, I asked my mom. I was just like, roughly what time? I don't think it changes like on the... Like in a half an hour increments or anything like that. So if you're kind of like here or there, I don't think it changes too much. I'll, um, I'll give um, her a call after this. I'm like, woman, do it. when was I born? <laughs> I want to know. I need to know. Oh, I think I was um, an evening baby. I think, yeah. I think I was afternoon. My mom said it was like 3 p.m., I think. Anyway, moving on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. I enjoyed this little little uh, brief chat about uh, the miracle that is Sorry. life. Um, <laughs> but today we're talking about aliens and more specifically aliens and how they relate to human beings and their long, our long formed friendship. <laughs> I guess you could um, say, yeah, um, just like aliens yeah. and like uh, I guess close encounters is what we could call the yeah. episode. Um, that's so contrived. I feel like there's probably <laughs> 60 million episodes called that. We Come might right. just call it Space Dudes. Space Homies. Space Homies. What up? Yeah, Space Homies is the title of this episode. And if it's not, you get a full refund. You've <laughs> not paid anything, but like, we'll give you one. <laughs> we'll give you a high five over the internet. So yeah, Tor is going first today because I can guarantee that her story is better than mine. I thought I had an idea and I ran with it only to find that there was a, a very short track. So Tor's going first. Thank I'm you. excited to hear your story. Okay, okay. So 
the my story I've kind of focused more on I guess um abductions of people um and just like their stories and their experience basically uh throughout that whole episode so yeah first person I have today their name is Travis Walton and he was abducted on the 5th of November wait 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 he was (laughs) are we going into this with no element of well no i'm i'm just saying like no 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 so like i i mean i have a i definitely am like i'm open-minded but i'm not convinced but he says that it happened to him on the 5th of november (laughs) you you were like he was abducted and i was like wow okay we're coming at this from two totally different angles okay cool so apparently according to travis he was abducted On the 5th of November, 1975. The fucking 70s, man. And crazy shit happened in the 70s, man. Sure it wasn't all those drugs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was about to say, I think it might have been the psychedelics, my friend. Okay. Anyway, um, so Travis was working as part of a seven-man tree thinning crew in the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest near Heber, Arizona. At the end of the day, on the drive back home, Travis noticed a bright light coming through the trees. When the men got closer, they saw it was a strange gold disc. It was hovering about 20 feet off the ground and about 15 to 20 feet in diameter. Um, For those of us using metrics, um, unfortunately, I have not figured out uh, what (laughs) that converts to. I am so sorry. Um... You're going to have to do that yourself. <laughs> I just, I didn't have the brain power. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> Don't worry. I do none of the math when it pops up in the oh, stories. Oh, my fine. brain. Yeah, I just, I can't do that. Um, anyway, carrying on. Uh, those co-workers warned him to stay away. Travis approached the craft, hearing loud vibrations as the ship began to spin erratically. Suddenly, a blue light sprung from the craft striking Travis in the chest and head, sending him flying several feet backwards. All that Travis remembers from this point is the numbing force of the blow and, like, what he would, I guess, describe as, like, this high-voltage type of electrocution. Um, His mind sunk quickly into unfeeling blackness. Having Mm. witnessed this, his co-workers fled the scene... I know. Assuming that Travis was dead, in the retreat, one of the men observed the flying saucer fly up to the top of the tree line and then away to the northeast. Some of the men did return to the scene out of guilt, only to find that Travis was no longer there. In Travis's own writings, he explains his experience. So obviously he got knocked unconscious and I'm guessing he kind of came to and then had this whole experience from what I can understand here. So um, he woke up in what appeared to be a medical office slash lab with a triangular ceiling among three humanoid beings with large brown eyes and abnormally large heads. They stood under five feet tall, were wearing soft orange-brown overalls. Travis... In shock, attacked the three beings, who then retreated. Oh God, Travis. 
Honestly, I'd be the same. I'd be like, get the fuck away from me. So Travis, in his attempt to escape, um, went through other rooms in the craft. Um, he eventually came to one room where he encountered a large, muscular male wearing a helmet who forced him out of the craft, which then took him into almost like a warehouse with other um, flying saucers in it, leading him to another room where three more people were, two men and a woman, incredibly good-looking. Um, they were all wearing blue velvet uniforms like the first man, but they had no helmets. Not a blemish in sight on their skin, just perfect examples of human beings. Though these beings were not identical, they shared a family-like resemblance. Ooh, creepy. Um, <laughs> it's like they're clones or something. From this point on, Travis says that they pushed him onto a table and placed a mask over his mouth and nose, at to which point he passed out. The next thing he knew, he was back on the ground in Heber, Arizona, seeing the silvery disc-like craft hover above the road near him, which then flew straight up into the sky and disappeared without making a sound. Travis, thinking he'd been gone no more than an hour and a half, came to discover he'd actually been missing for five days. What the fuck? Yeah. So this is kind of where I, I guess, stopped um, writing or kind of like, I guess, paraphrasing really. But um, the rest of the story goes on to say that uh, he was interviewed um, and then they came back and took uh, samplings of the site. And apparently um, the trees facing the uh, ship had um, abnormalities in them on one side like radiation abnormalities and were growing faster than that of the other side of the tree so like if you think of Wait, these... i have literally i really wish i was a science person yeah you know yeah I mean? um, so i could be like oh yes this data contextually i understand how this might happen because of this thing that i also know about it, but I it just honestly don't have the... looking at it it didn't make any sense because it was literally on like one side of these trees that were kind of facing towards where it was um, it's, yeah, it's nuts, but, um, I, I didn't really, uh, believe too much else after that, but yeah, so apparently, <laughs> um, he'd been missing for five days. Um, all the men that, uh, were at the site were basically interviewed because they, um, assumed that they had killed Travis, uh, which they hadn't. And they all had the same story of him obviously seeing this thing. They all saw this thing and, uh, he disappeared type of thing. So, yeah, everyone kind of corroborated the story and the authorities couldn't really make sense of it. And then, obviously, the scientific evidence that was there, it was all really weird. Um, so, yeah, I guess have a look My into it and question have your take is, on it. Was he actually just in, like, a Home Depot that was, like, next to some sort of, like... No, I don't no. Know, so, if you think of, like... Store with models that worked there? <laughs> like, no, so, like, so he, he was, like, a proper... acid trip. Proper, um, like tree thinning crew like you know you when you see like those arborists um at the park and stuff like yeah yeah like it was a proper like logging yeah type but of scenario. my question is did they like were they exposed to some sort of like i don't know some oh sort of yeah like some psychedelic type of... in the woods or like some weird thing and then they just tripped out for like four hours maybe and it could have been he, maybe like a has... fungus or something growing on one of the trees yeah. like they I don't know, breathing some spores and lost their shit. <laughs> I know, right? Either way, I can see how that kind of story would be such good um, and would be basically the inspiration for so many of the science fiction films we have. Oh, for sure. Just the way that sure. you told that story. I was like, I can just see this playing out. I mean, in like a the next show. one um, is probably 
one of the most famous. So mm-hmm. my next story is Barney and Betty Hill. This is one of the most famous abduction stories. Probably one of the first, actually. Some people say it's the first. Um, so on the evening of September 19th, 1961, Barney and Betty Hill, along with their dog, Desley, were returning to their home in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, coming home from a short vacation to the Niagara Falls. Fun fact, I've been there. They are awesome. On the last night of their three-day trip, the tired couple sipped coffee in a Vermont diner to recharge before driving back. Barney figured if they pushed through, they could beat the winds and rain of the approaching hurricane. They left the diner around 10 p.m., estimating they could reach their red frame house in New um, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, mm. before about 2 a.m. 3 a.m. at the latest. As they fucking drove... Barney, eh? Yeah, he's just, just he's on schedule, just, man. Just stay in a fucking hotel, mate. Like, honestly. Uh, you could already tell this is like the start of some fucking horror story. <laughs> yeah, no one should be out on the roads at 2, th- two to 3 a.m. in the morning. Hell no. As they drove, a strange light in the sky gave them another reason to hurry. At first look, it looked like a falling star, but grew larger and brighter with each mile. Barney, an avid plane watcher and World War II vet, was sure they had nothing to worry about. It's just a satellite, he assured Betty. It probably came off course. The light seemed to move with the car as Barney steered down the curvy mountain road. The light zigzagged, ducking past the moon, behind the trees and mountain ridges, only to reappear moments later. Sometimes it seemed to move toward them in a game of cat and mouse. It had been an illusion, they thought. Maybe the car's movement made it seem like the light was moving. Curiosity overcame them, and the couple pulled over at one of the road stops and picnic turnouts to get a closer look. Through binoculars... Betty saw that the white light was really an object spinning in the air. Barney, she told her husband, if you think that's a satellite or a star, you're being completely ridiculous. What he saw was uh, was as big as a jet, but round and flat, like a pancake. My God, said Barney. What is that? It can't be real. Back in New Hampshire, um, Portsmouth, They tried to make sense of the night. Barney felt compelled to examine his body and lower half. Both seemed puzzled and unsure why they felt this unease. No, I don't. (laughs) In the weeks and months after, Betty, an avid reader, checked out books from the library um, discovering the Civilian UFO Group National Investigations Committee She also reported the sightings, basically, to the Air Force, worried about uh, radiation. So, like, all this weird shit's going on. So, like, they obviously feel like something's not right. And so they're now looking into it. They've obviously notified the Air Force. Obviously, um, Barney was a a World War II vet, so he's probably got connections. Um, Mm. In the coming years, Betty started suffering from disturbing dreams and... Barney developed like a stomach ulcer and anxiety. The couple sought mental help. Not surprising. The two met with Benjamin Simon, a psychiatrist and neurologist who specialized in hypnosis, a mainstream technique at the time. 
Through months of weekly sessions, separate, just wanting to point out, Simon helped the couple piece together what they think had happened. A vessel had landed on the hill's car, putting them to sleep. Afterward, grey beings walked them up a long ramp into a spacecraft. Once inside, the hills were separated. Taking turns in examination rooms, they had curved walls with large light hanging, uh, large lights hanging from the ceiling. Each was asked to climb up on a metal table. The table was so short that Barney's legs hung over the other side. During these examinations, the beings removed Betty and Barney's clothes, plucked strands of hair, took clippings from their nails and scrapings from their skin. Each was placed on a clear material, unlike glass, but similar to a glass slide for like a microscope. Needles connected to long wires probed their heads, arms, legs and spines. One large needle, around four to six inches long, was inserted into Betty's belly. This pregnancy test left her twisting in pain throughout and uh, being Barney, uh, begging Barney and Betty to um, call for help, basically. After Betty's examination, the beings rushed back into her room excited. They discovered, I'm not sure why, it doesn't really say why. They discovered that Barney's teeth could be removed. Just a whole lot of a wild shit. Um, apparently Barney had dentures, so I'm assuming that's why... Um, they were fascinated because they're like, oh, they, <laughs> they disconnect. Um, Wait, so Barney's like aware that these aliens are like excited about his teeth is what he's saying. Yeah, Subliminally. I- I'm assuming mm. like, you know, when you can see it in someone's face, I'm guessing they had some kind of expression. Okay. Yeah, I know. I, like, I'm, yeah, teeth. I honestly, <laughs> teeth. I don't get it. Eh? Like it sounds, it sounds fucking horrifying, but then also there's like holes in the story. So I'm just, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, we'll see. <laughs> But yeah, so basically, uh, they um, they later were obviously dropped back home. In 1965, the Hill story was picked up by the Boston newspaper, and after that, everything changed. The quiet couple story became a subject of um, a best-selling book and a movie starring James Earl Jones. Um, I'm not sure of the movie. I will double-check what that is. They both um, kind of became, I guess, celebrity abductees. But yeah, that's a weird one. Like, I mean... <laughs> just casually driving along the road and this spaceship shows up and you're like, hey, let's stop and take a look. Like, I would be hitting the gas and flooring it the fuck out of there. <laughs> um, Just so you know, the film you were talking about is, is titled The UFO Incident. Ah. And it was released in 1975. Okay. Um, And, yes, so Barney was played, like you said, by James L. Jones and... Betty Hill was played by Estelle Parsons. Very, very cool. Have to look at that one. Yeah, yeah. Have a have a look. But yeah, no, weird. Like, I was reading it because um, there's different articles that I was looking into trying to grab stuff together because it's all it's all mainly talking about the book and um. I'm actually really invested in like sci-fi as a genre recently, and I've been rewatching all of the Star Wars films and. Yes. like Star Trek and stuff. And it's so funny how like pop culture found a way to make that stuff, which terrifies you kind of sexy, like a little bit sexy. 
Oh, uh, God. Kylo, like, oh, Kylo Ren is a babe, and I'm sorry. I will I will die on that hill. He's a freaking babe. No, I posted a story about him being dramatic the other day, but I'm also a Kylo Ren stan. I just find it funny how sometimes people in the franchise, like, they're like, they'll shit on Rey, and they'll be like, oh, she's too emotional, and her emotions get in the way of her being a Jedi. And I'm like, have this you man, met like, the men in the Star Wars like... franchise? Yeah. <laughs> have you met Luke? Like, Luke literally... The first trilogy is literally Luke just looking so emotional at everything that happens to him. Like, but daddy um, issues with the Max. I know. And of course, Anakin. <laughs> so dramatic. Have you met Anakin? Oh. He's literally the worst. Um, so yeah, anyway, rant over. Uh, but today I'm, I'm talking about something that's not sexy. It's not space sexy. It's actually, uh, it's actually more... Uh, it's, <laughs> It's more milky. It's milky because we're talking about cows. Moo. We're talking about cows. Uh, more specifically, the relationship between cattle and aliens. I've never been able to wrap my head around that. It's, oh, it's like the weirdest thing because like when I say that, you probably, I mean, what are you picturing when I say cattle and aliens? Um, I just pictured like this cow like going, what the hell? And it's like floating yeah. up into this like yeah. saucer going. Yeah. What? <laughs> I had the exact same image. It's just like a, you know, like a spotty dairy cow just being like eating a big wad of grass and then just being like freaking beamed up into it. Flying saucer. <laughs> um, and like. I saw the other ones like looking aimlessly like, what's going yeah. on? <laughs> if you like actually Google that specific sentence, a cow being abducted by aliens, there is so much <laughs> on the internet, just in, in terms of pop culture, like, the references to cattle and aliens is sort of, like, entrenched in in like comedy, especially as a genre. Um, yeah, yeah. So there are, like, clips of it in films and cartoons and images all over the internet and stuff that kind of depict random dairy cows just being abducted. But I think, from my understanding, with this idea comes into play or it's this idea's origins um come into existence are again in the 70s don't know what it is with aliens in the 70s um but there were claims made and actually there are real from my understanding these are real fbi records on cattle mutilation so cattle mutilation is exactly what it sounds like the animal is often found mutilated so missing you know particular organs um and usually the cause of the mutilation seems to be sort of inexplicable um but no one really knows what it is but it happens all the time right so on november 4th as an example in 1975 the owner of a black angus cow uh, his name was Robert Burns, lived in New Mexico. Robert Burns finds this cow that he owns uh, dead. And he also finds that it's had its sexual organs, <laughs> tongue, and left ear removed. So Was it a girl cow or a boy cow? I'm not sure it doesn't state, unfortunately. But mm. it does say cow, so I mean, I'm assuming... either way, it's still it, creepy. Yeah, so, I'm assuming yeah. it says cow, it doesn't say bull or steer. Yeah. So I'm assuming that yeah. maybe it just... It's cow. a female, because generally they'll they'll refer to it as like a steer, right, or a uh, or a bull if it's yeah. a um boy. Country slang. Yeah, <laughs> country slang. Um, so basically, this this example of a mutilation is not alone. Identical mutilations were said to be taking place all over the southwest, and this 
concept of cattle mutilation soon sort of transformed into this idea of an abduction among farmers. And this idea of the abduction of cattle reached the government or government institutions, apparently, in around 1979. So what they did um, was, and I read this on a Daily Mail article, so I have really struggled for good references on this, but apparently what they did is that the FBI sent agents out to farms that had experienced this phenomenon. Um, And apparently there was a report made in 1976 uh, that said there seemed to have been, uh, in one particular instance, an aircraft that had landed in a farm in a place called Dolce, um, that had apparently left three pod marks in a triangular shape on the ground. Um, oh my God. I know. After this, from what I can tell, after this report had been made, these reports of cows being abducted were suddenly like less common, or at least they weren't reported as much. And <laughs> I'm not sure if this is just because the FBI was like, uh, we're not going to take any of the stuff down anymore. Like we're not going to take it seriously. Or if there was like a cover up to some extent, I don't know. Uh, but in 2009, there was a rancher named Mike Duran, uh, based in Colorado that saw apparently some strange lights, right? Um, he saw these strange lights in the sky before he found one of his cows dead. Duran said that it was, basically a repeat of an incident from 1995 i don't know if that means that he was like this has happened to me before but it's said to be have been a repeat um whether he's like heard this from another person or if this has happened to him before it wasn't apparent but another man by the name of derek bridges who was also a farmer i think um reported to have seen a buffalo (laughs) buffalo (laughs) i can't get over this image that was beamed up into a spacecraft in 2009 in Basington, Stoke, Hampshire, England. So there are people in Colorado, oh there are people <laughs> in England seeing all of these cows be abducted by aliens at this stage. I'm not going to say that I believe that aliens are coming to Earth to steal Earth's cattle. <laughs> but I do think it could maybe be like a ritualistic practice um, perhaps that's been taking place. Um, I know that satanic panic was pretty prominent in like the late seventies and the eighties as well. Um, oh, with, everything was going oh on. Oh God, during... <laughs> right? So maybe it was something to do with that. It's like an Amityville. Oh, shit, mate. It was a busy time. <laughs> Serial killers just prowling around. Maybe it was like a rival, rival farmers. Maybe there's some like farming cult that we don't know about that exists. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like feeling like maybe insurance claim. Like, you know, yeah. farmers have insurance for like cattle. Like, oh, this animal's fucking died. I can't use it. Yeah. Pay me out. I wonder how like animal investigation works when it comes to cattle i'd be interested to see like an like a investigator go out and he's like eh, insurance fraud. yeah like in terms of that nowadays like do you call the police or do you call the spca like what? yeah how does it work <laughs> i don't know how it worked in the 70s but yeah imagine the farmers are like you know what people really like are locked on to this this alien thing we've got a sick cow out back uh you know we might just like do some terrible things to it to get some money or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, become famous or something, you know, like I guess once it kind of caught on. 
Yeah, exactly. So, uh, maybe like we said, farming cult, right? That's where we left off. Love to see it. Maybe it could have even been other animals. I mean, it, it seems pretty specific to have like, you know, specific organs removed and like that kind of thing. So I, I don't know about that. But, you know, we're not discounting anything at this stage. I can understand why aliens, if this is what's happening, would come to Earth to steal cattle. I can understand why, because if you consider the rate at which we produce livestock globally, right, you can understand why an, uh, an alien might look at Earth, be like, oh, we're doing like a test tube kind of project on Earth, right? Like our boss back in the, on the mother planet really wants some info, some statistics, that kind of thing. Um, so let's look at Earth and see what they've got. And so they look at Earth and they're like, ah, look, a very successful animal. If they constitute success as like breeding, right? So they'd look and they'd be like, that one right there, what makes that animal so special? So if they were looking at studying, you know, successful life forms on Earth, what makes them tick, that that sort of thing. I mean, you only have to look at New Zealand as an example. We probably have a shit ton of aliens because at one point I'm pretty sure we had more sheep than people. Uh, we still do. I think it's yeah. like for every one person, there's six sheep. So aliens be looking at New Zealand like, this sheep, what is the ship here? The ship here? Is that how you pronounce <laughs> it? They're like, oh yes, the ship here. Ship here? Interesting <laughs> life form, that one. <laughs> In a place to... It is very fluffy. <laughs> how does it survive so well? Um, so yeah. I, I get it. Like, I totally get it. If I were an alien and I came to Earth, I, I'd probably be like, what the fuck? Why are there so many f cows and shit? Like, it's crazy out here. <laughs> um, and then I'd look at humans and be like, no, no, gun control. They don't understand that concept. So probably really stupid, stupid, stupid people. Anyway. It'd be funny, though, if they thought, like, the cows were, like, the heads of civilization. And, <laughs> and it's just like, these are some seriously, like, highly intelligent beings, but these humans, what the fuck? I'm just imagining a cow strapped onto a gurney and this alien's just like, tell me your secrets! And it's just, like, literally incapable of speech. <laughs> like, it's, like, <laughs> it's like, moo? I guess. It's like, so we get a translator in here. <laughs> Lactates? I don't know. Um, so, yeah. Uh... uh Basically, when it comes to aliens and forms, uh, farms, sorry, when it comes to aliens and farms, <laughs> there are actually some other connections that we sort of see pop up in pop culture. Um, that being crop circles as an example. So the crop oh, circle. Yeah. The term was first coined in the early 1980s by a fellow named Colin Andrews. Uh, basically, it is what it sounds like. It's strange circles that have been made by flattening crops in certain ways. The number of reports of crop circles has substantially increased since the 1970s. Always comes back to the 70s. You know, they're, they're considered a thing that would be classified as a hoax nowadays. Circles in the United Kingdom are for example, not distributed randomly across the landscape, but appear, you know, near roads, areas of medium to dense population, cultural heritage monuments, such as Stonehenge, which I've been to before. Very cool. Um, I really want to go there. Really cool. It was very cold the day we went, but it was very strange just standing at this prehistoric site and just like, just being there was just the weirdest experience. You feel very connected to the, to the earth and to, it just felt very, um, like, it did feel like a very old, old place. Yeah, uh, yeah, you could, like, sense it, like, the... Sh the yeah, yeah, regardless there's, of there's how many tourists... Here. Yeah, it was very... It just felt old. Um, the museum there is quite cool as well. So, uh, the crop circles are appearing near places that people will essentially see them. Or 
Alternatively, they're appearing near places of, you know, like worship, like Stonehenge is where still like modern day pagans would, they do like solstice festivals and stuff at Stonehenge. To my understanding, they still do stuff like that there. Um, But in 1991, there were these two guys that came forward uh, as hoaxes. I think they might have actually come forward a bit later on, but they did uh, do hoaxes when it came to crop circles. Their names were Doug Bauer and Dave Chorley. Um, They took credit for having created many, many circles throughout England after one of their circles was described by this investigator as impossible for human beings to make, (laughs) which is so embarrassing for him because (laughs) he's like, this is my life's work. I'm. I know this was made by aliens. It's impossible that a, that a just, regular. Just a side note. Um, yeah. If any of our lovely listeners uh, know where I can find uh, crop circles on Google Maps, um, please put it in the comments oh, yeah. of the Instagram post because I would love to go and see that kind of stuff. Yes, <laughs> just post weird stuff. There's. I'm sure there's like one of those weird pages that's like the weirdest stuff you can find on Google Earth. And you can, like, there's, like, coordinates for it. I'm pretty sure that exists. I remember Google Maps had ages ago people were, like, taking screenshots and, like, finding things like people being murdered out by lakes. Like, just random oh shit was God. popping up on Google Maps. I know. Fucked up. But, yeah, um, if anyone knows where to find that stuff, like, uh, crop circles, not people being murdered. Yeah. Um, yeah. Link, link it below. Yeah. Tell us. <laughs> tell us all the things. So, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, so he, it was Crop like circles, his li- it was like his life's work, and basically they were all like were like no 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 we made this uh, you suck, and then they kick him in the nuts. That's what I imagine happened. <laughs> um, so Doug and Dave actually stated that their initial inspiration for uh, faking a lot of these crop circles in the UK came from Tully or the saucer nest. Uh, which was a case in Australia where a farmer claimed to have seen a UFO and then found a flattened circle of swamp reeds. Um, Mm -hmm. Don't know much about that case, but Aussies, mate. I swear to God. Uh, (laughs) Crazy. So (laughs) there is a a crop formation and there are um, archaeological remains that can cause something that appears like a crop circle. Uh, Formations Uh, are usually created overnight in contrast to uh, crop formations um, sorry, in contrast to archaeological remains that can cause crop marks in a field, uh, you know, in the shape of a circle or a square. Uh, but these yeah. crop marks don't appear overnight and they are always in the same place every single year as, a, as opposed to like crop circles, which kind of sporadically pop up here and there and don't really have like a rhyme or reason aside from being placed in, in spots that are close to civilization in some capacity. So... Nearly all, nearly half of all crop circles found in the UK in 2003, for example, were located within a 15 kilometer radius of the Avebury Stone Circles. So the Avebury Stone Circles are a Neolithic hinge, a good old stone hinge, so that from 10,000 uh, BCE to 4,500 BCE. Um, and the final wow. stage, it was this was the final stage of the Stone Age. Pretty cool. Um, and it's a monument containing three stone circles around the village of Avebury in Wiltshire in southwest England. So a lot of these crop circles from 2003 were popping up around the site. And I wonder if that's just like a tourist thing, like it's more hoaxes being like, uh, you know, this is a great place. Or alternatively, it's aliens being like, there is mad energy in the earth here. And, you know, this is where we made friends with our Stone Age buddies, but they're dead now. So we just come back to pay tribute, uh, whatever. What, yeah, what if, like, what if aliens, like, obviously were a thing, right? And they met those people, like, ages ago and they were like, yeah, yeah this is a vibe. We'll come see you in, like, 
This is a couple months, and then it's just like, oh shit, it's been ten thousand years. <laughs> They're like, our time works entirely different on our planet, and we literally popped out for like, one second bra. to get some extra bears, and you're all dead, and civilization has completely moved on. Oh my god, they went out to get ice and. <laughs> <laughs> so awkward like they're all dead what the fuck so whether aliens you know love cow parts uh or just cows in general you know the idea of this relationship between cattle and farmland and aliens you know is so prominent in pop culture it's really wiggle its way into our to our subconsciouses in one way or another um i mean like when i before i was saying that i think of aliens generally i will think of like a black and white dairy cow named daisy you know, being zapped up by a flying saucer. Um, and then I'll think of the crop circles that, you know, the saucer's probably left behind. It's all very, to me, the the imagery is all very 70s or even very 50s. Like it's retro-futuristic when I think of aliens. I don't know yeah, about you. Yeah. Do you feel the same way? No, I can, I can definitely visualize the same thing, yeah. Yeah, just like vintage sort of very uh, like the color palette is very 70s for me um yeah like the warm tones and then those like sci-fi greens what's your favorite alien movie oh shit okay so um i'm gonna give you the plot line and it's gonna be terrible but i don't know the name of it so basically this family goes out camping right and this kid um he's a little boy and he's like i guess a little bit awkward and he uses a camera to look through life because it makes him feel comfortable um and so on their family road trip camping whatever they start noticing some weird stuff he captures it on camera and at the end of the film they basically get abducted and um you basically it's almost kind of like third person shot where the aliens holding the camera walking through the spaceship and you see the family in each of these different rooms being like brutally tortured um and then he puts the camera in essentially the garbage chute and it falls back to earth and it's like one of those found footage type of um, type of movies. So I have no idea what the hell the name of it is, but oh, messed me up as a kid so bad. I think my favorite one is probably War of the Worlds. Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah, yes, that's a good one. That one's probably my favorite. Is in when I say favorite, I mean the one that's burned into my memory is the most challenging one for me to remember. Like not remember, but just like it really threw me off as a kid. Uh, mm. it really scared me. I think Anna Sophia Robb is in that as a child, perhaps. Um, but yeah, it really scared me, and I was like, no, no, no. In terms of alien stuff, that's like a light and more pop culture. I think I like, um, yeah, like definitely the Star Wars franchise, franchises, franchise, because they've got so many different like animated freaking. Oh my god, I know it's one, but it just feels like there's so many others. And then oh, Final Space. Just kidding. Final Space is so good. Yes. Love final space. Fuck oh yes. my god. Final space is oh so my god. Good. I love it. How what's those your... characters? Oh, I cried. I cried so many times in Final I Space. I know, right? The storyline, like in some parts, you're just it's like avocado. Yeah. Yeah. And also ah! also <laughs> the the soundtrack is so insane. Like it's oh, so, so insane. Good. The moments of tension and the emotions of emotionality in that show are just like way too much for an animated TV show. Like I've never wanted a cookie so much in my fucking, fucking life. Right? I love that. <laughs> so funny. Um yeah, I love Final uh, I'm actually gonna rewatch that. You've 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 prompted me to rewatch that now. I'm gonna Oh, do me that too. Now. Let's definitely do a rewatch. 
anyway, that was really fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, if you want to email us some stories about aliens or basically anything else, you can email the podcast at shitthatscaresuspod at gmail.com. Yes, thank you so much. Really been loving the stories that have been coming in. Um, I am currently compiling a list of things to um, post on to the gram, so keep them coming in. Love to see it. And the gram is, what's the gram handle, Tor? The gram handle is at shit that scares us. Yeah, and you can follow us there as well. It's good times. Um, but otherwise, thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And uh, we will see you next week. Yay! Have a good one, guys. Bye. Bye.